Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. I'm your host, Phil Huber, joined by the usual cast of suspects, Logan and John. On today's episode number 138, we're going to discuss new books, a shop update, and the Christmas Project Decision Tree, among other topics. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is presented by Epilogue Laser quickly and easily customize your woodworking projects for added beauty and value. Learn more at epiloguelaser.com. Can I just say, before we start, how much I sometimes underappreciate heat? Like, Phil went into the studio yesterday, and we forgot to turn the heat on after filming, and it was cold. It was 58. I'm sitting in my house right now, and there's actually a little buck outside. I can see him. Uh, he's looking at my guys building the building. Uh, and it's cold out, and I'm sitting here f- absolutely freezing. So I had to make a cup of coffee mm-hmm. before we went. And this week, I spent a couple of nights out in the new shop installing my radiant heat. And it's going to be so nice. I'm going to have that SOB cranked up to like 95. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so excited. Mm-hmm. I yes, it is easy to underestimate heat, and having an unheated garage workshop, I realize that every time it gets to be around this time of year, because it seems like we always get a, or recently anyway, we get a November cold snap, mm-hmm. where we're cruising along and it's like air conditioning weather, and then two days later it's nineteen degrees outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and eh, yeah, and the hard part is, is that in the springtime, it takes my garage forever to warm up, forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the slab just stays super cold, and even if it's really nice outside, I have to have the windows open and the garage door open for me to feel any kind of warm weather mm-hmm. or warm air. But you would think that the converse would happen then in fall that I would have this reservoir of warmish temperature. Nope. It gets cold. It is cold in my shop. Yeah. I, I was say, I've noticed that in my garage too. Like we get that cold snap, right? And it gets pretty, Oh, there goes the buck. He's chasing the doe. I don't know if you guys can see him. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Cue the Barry White music there a little bit. Loves in the air. Uh, I was wondering what he was doing, and he just popped his head out of the trees right here. And I'm like, what is he doing? And then here comes a doe running through, and he is, he is that little dude is chasing her hard. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, I noticed that, like, we get that cold snap like you're talking about, where it's like it's been, you know, in the 50s, 60s, it drops down to, like, the 20s for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're right, like, all of a sudden, I'll, I'll walk in my garage, and it's nice outside, and it's freezing in there. It's just like mm-hmm. a, a cool little cave, and you yeah. open up the garage doors and all the windows to at least get some of that warm air to come in the inside. I'm hoping that's what happens with this shop, because, man, I laid so much, well, my concrete guys laid a bunch of foam down, and I put all of these, um, all this PEX down, 
my son and I stapled it, which a eight-year-old is not very much help stapling pecs, in case you guys are wondering. Um, if you're looking for an eight-year-old... Going to write that market, down? Yeah, yeah, if you're in the market for labor, eight-year-old is not where you want to get it. Um, but uh, I'm hoping once that thing heats up, and I've, I've read this and I've heard this about um, radiant heat, is once it gets up there, it will stay there. So I know... My buddy Nelson listens to the podcast. He's in the HVAC industry, and he was he was like, "Yeah, a DIY radiant floor kit, whatever." <laughs> I'm hoping it works. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Maybe I'll be a fool. Like, what so. could go wrong? Right? Yeah, I know, right? You got this. Yeah. So. So yeah, I also think that I'm getting older now, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. my ability to tolerate being out in my cold workshop is harder sometimes. Yeah. So apparently I'm turning a little bit more into a pansy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's something too about standing on cold concrete that it just like yeah. absorbs into your bones and just Yeah. But yeah. I'll tell you what though, these guys that are building my shop, they're they're actually wrapping it up right now. Like they're putting the finishing pieces on um they are it's an amish crew okay and it's like if i said that um and they wear um a lot of the amish community will wear homemade clothes i don't know what they make their clothes out of but oh my lord those guys those boys look like they have nothing on and they're out there it's like 17 degrees 45 mile an hour winds and they're just pounding away like stripping off their jackets and stuff their work coats because they must be like hot and stuff, but it's like, man, you guys are bigger men than I am because yeah. it's cold. <laughs> yeah. I will say I was a little spoiled too in the fact that over Thanksgiving I spent the week with my sister who has a wood burning fireplace in her house. And it was it was a delight, let me just say, to be able to spend some time by a fireplace. And mm-hmm. and there's a difference a qualitative difference between a real wood-fired fireplace and a gas Fisher-Price fireplace. Yeah. There's nothing. I think if anybody burns wood for, for heat, they know what I mean. Like, there, it, there's a difference between wood heat and gas heat. Like, the wood heat is dry. It's hot, you know. Um, yeah. When, when you when you flip on like a gas fireplace or even a gas furnace, it just it's different. Yeah. So it renewed my probably never to be fulfilled longing to have some kind of a wood burning stove in my garage for my workshop. Never because I can just Im- I can just imagine my cars starting on fire in the middle of the night for whatever reason, and then the investigation and. I kind of have a feeling your wife wouldn't like it either. Yeah, probably. Like, yeah, I. I don't know. I, I will say there's really a like gr- there's a one car garage in my sister's neighborhood. Her house is uh, in one of the older neighborhoods in my hometown, and so it's over a hundred years old. And the house on the corner still has like I don't know if I'd call it the original one car garage. But it's just a one-car garage with, like, 
bifold doors for the door opening and a little L section off the side. And it's a small building and I, I just love the shape of it. And I think mm -hmm. it would make an awesome workshop. And in that workshop, I would have a wood burning stove. That's mm -hmm. right. I'd make a place for it. You know, I mean, in a couple of years, both your kids will be gone. There's a big trampoline area in your backyard. Yeah, I've thought of that. I, have a, <laughs> I mean, there's a, you know, a garden, sh you know, your kind of standard suburban house garden shed back there that um, could get burned to the ground and then turned into a a fun workshop. The only problem would be getting power out there. Yeah. I got wire for you. Yeah, like 75 feet left. <laughs> That's expensive, too. Yeah. I was actually going to try yeah. to sell it. It's like I bought this big roll of 250 KC mil wire. The roll weighed like 800 pounds. And I'm like, there's like 75 feet left. That's like a thousand bucks. <laughs> like, I should yeah. probably try to sell that. So. So you have exterior going on on the just finishing up on your yeah. shop right now. Yep. And you've got like half of a limestone quarry that's been dumped on the floor. Yep. Recycled and, concrete. Oh, we're eco-friendly here. Right. Mm -hmm. I believe they call that urbanite. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> probably. You can look that up. Mine Google of the big urban urban centers in the US. Right. Yeah urban concrete quarries. Um, so then you'll get concrete in pretty soon, and then yep. you start the insulation process then, huh? Um, or kind of, I got to actually fur out the inside first, because right now when you go into the building, it's just posts every eight feet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So I need to run some, some form of furring to... to bring that flush and give me somewhere to put insulation. I have all the insulation. It's in my garage. I have, I have three, three full pallets of insulation sitting where my wife's car usually goes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the insulation was too tall to, the pallets were too tall to go in the garage door. So I had to go like climb up and knock the top layer off so I could get it in the garage door. Mm -hmm. So um, what kind of, what kind of insulation is it? Like um, panelized or no, oh, no, I did okay. roll bat, um, for the walls. I did roll bat and I did, um, it's R19, maybe it's R20, it might be R23. I think it's R23, um, with six inch cause it's six inch. And then I have 68 bags of blow in insulation for the ceiling. Hmm. So, yeah, right. so I got, I got a little work, I, you know, Colin, um, our Popwood digital editor asked me the other day, hey, when's the move-in date? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I told him, like, April, I'm hoping. <laughs> so I I'm, I really am probably going to first try to get the radiant floor turned on, even though there won't be any insulation in it, and I'll just be throwing money away. But again, that at least turned on, so it will have some form of heat coming off the slab as I'm in there working. And I right. don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So for the furring, are you using a synthetic furring or a natural animal furring? It's na it's natural <laughs> animal furring. Oh, wow. You know, you know me. Many small critters had to sacrifice <laughs> for this. It's a lot of squirrel furring. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Takes a lot, so, but... Yeah. yeah. 
Should add a little insulation though. Mm -hmm. A little R value there. Yeah. Yeah. A little, little bit of water resistance as well. Mm -hmm. There's a certain tanning process that's involved in order for it to be structural right. furring. Yeah. You want to make sure it's yeah. dried out yeah. Yeah. too, or you're going to get a smell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, John, what's going on with you? Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to just, like, ease into the end of the year here. You know, I don't want to just end the year cold turkey, so I'm just kind of ramping down. Yeah. You know? but The slide. Yeah. So, trying to avoid getting into any, like, last-minute Christmas present builds, you know, like I usually get myself into, so... Right, which is something that I wanted to talk about because simply for this fact in that um, you guys are well aware of the fact that I start Christmas projects pretty early and still end up racing until whatever holiday deadline that I have. And John has a tendency to make that decision far later mm -hmm. in the calendar. I like that smell of wet lacquer combined with, you know, mm -hmm. fir trees and yep. the pine. Yep. Smell of Christmas. I wonder if with our spray gun in the in the booth, if we could put in like a few drops of like balsam essential oil. Ooh, yeah. With the lacquer, yeah. especially in the November, December time frame, just to see if that would. Mm -hmm. I think Mark would appreciate that experiment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean we did he was flabbergasted that one of the staff members here who shall remain nameless talked to him about the possibility of cutting steel on the table saws <laughs> the saw, saw table saw. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, the saw stops do have that toggle, you know, like you have to yeah. turn the two keys yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, in his defense, it was fairly thin steel, but it was still steel. Right. Yeah. And it was just a scoring cut is all he wanted to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, you know, cut all the way through it. <laughs> Maybe you put like one of those fiber metal cutting blades from a circular saw on the table Ooh, saw, mm -hmm. and then you can do it. Yeah, yeah. Those things are definitely rated for 10,000 RPM. Yeah. <laughs> I think circular saws actually spin faster than a table saw. I think so. they do. They do. All good decisions. Right. And then Logan has a tendency on your Christmas projects to... Do them in batches, large, yeah. large batches. I had told myself that I was going to do bowls for everybody this year. Actually, what I wanted to do is I wanted to do, like, not huge bowls, but, like, I don't know, like salad-sized bowls, kind of, you know, this size, something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so kind of like your standard salad bowl. But then uh, there's a, a turner, really well-known turner. His name is Richard Raffin. He's from England, lives in Australia now. Um, he does, he was a production turner, so he does a lot of stuff like really quickly and like, you're like, mm, that doesn't look very safe, but I get what he's doing because he's trying to do it very quickly because yeah. he's a production turner. Um, but he, he turns, um, like spatulas, like they're not very wide. They're only about 
I don't know, three inches wide maybe, and they taper down with a round handle. But he turns them. They start off basically as a plank of wood. Put them on the lathe, turn them into the spatula, you sand them on a drum sander on the lathe. Um, so he can batch out, you know, 30 or 40 of them in a day. So I might be able to get three done in a day. And I was like, oh, that would make a nice little Christmas present, like a, a salad set, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got too much crap going on right now. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I am. This is a side. You see, you, you talk about a side of getting older when you're, you're just a weenie now about getting out in the cold and stuff. No, I, I, my side of getting older is I start making logical decisions. Like, hey, right. I know I shouldn't do this, so I'm right. just not going to. You start to know better. You know? Yeah. Yes. Well, Next and then year. act on it. I mean, because yeah. you might know better, but then still end up doing it. <laughs> right. Next year. So. Yeah. So when you go about, like, for example, the either the salad bowl idea or yeah. the cutting board Christmas from a few years ago, how did, yep. you do, how did you go through that process where you're like, this is what I'm doing? Um, got a wild hair up my you-know-what and was like, you know what? It would be fun. We'd be making 35 cutting boards, but we're not going to make, like, flat face kind of we're new end grain ones and some mm-hmm. of them will be crazy mosaic ones some of them will be you know really nice walnut ones whatever um you know it's one of those it's like okay i ordered all the material once the material's there i i read this from chris Schwarz, and it was uh, one of those blog posts recently like probably in the last day or two um was that the hardest part of a project is the first cut because then you're committed. Right. Right. And once you make that first cut, then it's like, I'm not going to stop till it's done. Right. Uh, eh, I have a half finished office in the basement. That's kind of, <laughs> yeah. But we'll put an asterisk by that statement. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to stop yeah. till it's done. That's right. Um, the, uh, that, I guess that's the thing. It's just like, once I had all the lumber for the, for those, ordered and it's there in the shop it's like well now i feel like i have to get out so they just start cutting it and then it's just like okay here's my process i'm going to cut with something like the cutting boards you're limited with the number of clamps you have so it's a, it's not yeah. like you can glue up every cutting if you're doing 35 cutting boards you can't glue them all up at the same time but what right. you can do is you can cut enough to get five glued up and then you can start getting the next parts to the next stage so then you have a line so then you have, then it's like, okay, these five boards, you break that 35 batch down into fives or tens. So it's like, okay, I can do um, these, you know, five or seven at a time. So I will clamp them all up, slice them apart, reclamp them. And then those five will be at the, you know, router sled flattening stage by the time the next five are in clamps. Sure. So while those are in clamps, I can do those five. And while those, when those five are done, I can take these out and do those and glue up the next one. So it's just kind of a, you know, in a perfect world, I'd have, you'd have enough to do everything. Um, doing something like the bowls, same thing. It would be, you know, there I'm limited to one at a time, but it's like, okay, you start by rough turning the outside of each bowl. Sure. Um, and it depends on how, I guess it depends on how you're doing it. Um, with the bowls, I would probably do wet. I would probably wet turn them. So it would be one of those like, hey, the blank's going on, and it's just going to be a hard hogging. Get it all down to the right thickness. Sand it. 
probably on those when you wet turn a bowl, it likes to move. So either you sand it on the lathe immediately, but there's a lot of water in it, so it gums up your sandpaper, or you set it off to the side, let it dry a bit, then you can hand sand it, and that's probably what I'd do is hand sand okay. them. Um, so it's just, I don't know, it's just working through the process, man. It's You learn, and that, this is where it, it's interesting to me because I see... I know a lot of I know of a lot of production turners, and you get these little tricks. And I always thought it was silly where I'd be listening to somebody like, um, you know, Mike Mahoney, where he's like, you know, or Richard Raffin, where it's like, hey, I could pick up my my gouge, my you know, my bowl gouge and do this, but I have a spindle gouge in my hand already. I'm gonna figure out how to do it with this, so I don't have to put it down and pick up another tool. Yeah, and I'm thinking that seems really finite to be worried about that like does it really matter if you flip one tool for the next but i mean when you're talking about 100 bowls or whatever you're doing it does so you you figure out all these little shortcuts it's like okay how can i make this the most efficiently as most efficient way as possible so yeah i don't know i don't like doing it (laughs) let's just be clear (laughs) i don't like doing this this is not my favorite thing Yeah, and yet we've done it. So clearly, there's yep. something in us that does like to do it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know that I've ever seen you Phil do a batch of stuff. Uh, I did the spoon sets a few years ago. Oh, you did, you that. did. The yes, spoons. yeah, I have one. I have one in my coffee cabinet. Yeah, yep, I got one too. Yep. So that yep. one was that's about as that I did because that went for both sides of the family, plus yep. extras for gifts around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I did like a cooking spoon, kind of a spatula sort of thing, salad spoons, you know, spoon and fork. And then I did this series of small, like, tablespoon coffee scoop kind of things. Uh, and that was really, that was probably the first time that I've done like a giant batch like that. And you're right, you do learn a lot of stuff, both about like efficient tool use and also... You know, when you're repeating the same motion over and over, you begin to get an idea of like, oh, I can take a huge amount of material off and not worry about hosing this whole thing up if I do this. Then that's going to save me time on the, you know, the next set of spoons or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I will say that most of the time I do projects for gifts. They're usually one-offs and... uh the trouble there is that it just, you know, each thing is its own. So you don't really, you can't really build any efficiency into stuff. So you're mm-hmm. just constantly doing one, which is probably why I try and start sooner is because yeah. I know that each one of those projects is going to be like its own thing. It's just its own building. Mm-hmm. Want to give a shout out to today's podcast sponsor, Epilogue Laser. You can quickly and easily customize your woodworking projects for added beauty and value. Learn more at epiloguelaser.com. So, yeah. Now, John, you've been known to make large installation-based Christmas presents. Yes. How do you how do those ideas form for you? I usually do not think about it at all until like Thanksgiving week or weekend when we're off and I have time to like think about stuff and we're thinking about Christmas presents and ideas. And 
I get some, you know, wild idea that's totally unnecessary, but right. that that's those are the most fun are the things that are unnecessary like yeah. I think I've done like a treehouse loft or um monkey bars in our basement with, you know, a laminate slide and all this stuff. And usually that comes about Thanksgiving weekend and it's like, yep, I can get this done. I have four weeks to to do this, which is kind of a misguided thought because (laughs) you can't spray something with lacquer on the, you know, the last day and then put it in your house because that our lacquer seems to like off gas for like two weeks at least. And it'll sneak up on you, too. You might, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty good. And then you put it in a small area and, you know, it's sleepy time. (laughs) So it's like you really only have two weeks from Thanksgiving to get this, you know, sprayed, finished. Because then you let it, you know, sit for a while and kind of off gas and, and dry and solidify and all that stuff. So usually it's like, okay, I have this idea, you know, I'm, I'm just randomly sketching things up and taking measurements and and you know working late nights and coming into the shop on the weekends to get this done so i can get it you know sprayed and kind of wrapped up and usually it's a pretty you know wild uh couple weeks so right which i mean between thanksgiving and christmas it's not like anything else is going on right exactly so yeah yeah you know there's nothing else to do so Maybe but. you just need to start celebrating Canadian Thanksgiving in October. There you go. And then you have some more time. Yep. Yep. It's a plan. We just yeah. got to move to Canada. Yeah. So. I, w- <laughs> I will say that it. there is a certain – I mean, I, I build the projects because they're fun for me, and I just mm. can't stop myself from making things. But I will say that there is a certain delight in being able to see people open up the stuff that you made or to see it and have that kind of like over-the-top experience that, mm-hmm. you know, I was able to do this for somebody. and They can't believe you actually made it. Right. The, be- the best one is where it's like, oh, my God, this looks like I would have bought it at Target. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aww. You're like, oh, because I have way more than thirty nine ninety nine into that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back to Logan's comment that the first cut is the hardest. I find the opposite. It's it's the last cut for me because like I'll get stuff to like functional, and then it's adding all the little like trim pieces. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we redid our kitchen. Would have been like 2008, and I think it went to uh, 2021 before we added the last, or I added <laughs> the last like little pieces of you know base shoe and all the little trim pieces because it's like it gets the functional and then it's yep. great. It's the oh, last yeah. little details that are always the hardest for me. No, and I have that same problem because we did a basement remodel and I put in a bathroom and. Uh, spare room downstairs, not a bedroom, extra room right. downstairs. And yeah, I got drywall in it. It needs drywall on the ceiling yet and some insulation between that and the bedroom that's above it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we are. Yeah, Half of it I mudded and primed and Sweet. the other half I'm still letting it cure. Yep. You know, let these, it dry these eight or nine years now. Mm-hmm. So John would do it without 
the drywall. I mean, yeah, he'd just, just he'd just texture text- it without the drywall. Spray mm-hmm. it. Just yeah, <laughs> texture it enough out. and it's done. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but Laid it's airtight, so it's kind of an air sealing efficiency sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what were we yeah. actually going to talk about today? No, we're doing it, man. <laughs> I was talking about your shop update. See? And uh, I wanted to talk about, because this is a time, I mean, all of us as woodworkers have the idea, I feel like, that we want to do Christmas gifts for mm-hmm. people. And it usually comes down to one of those things where it's like, oh, I should have started this a long time ago. Yeah. But, you're, but, you know, this week after Thanksgiving is kind of when, when the pressure goes up. It's... It's showtime. It's yep. the fourth quarter. It's the seventh inning. You know, whatever you analogy you want. That. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about why, you know, how we decide projects that we're going to make, and you know whether it's a one-off kind of a thing or if you're going to do a batch of stuff because it's, you know, has some. I mean, one-offs have advantages because you can customize it to a specific person or, you know, a need for them that isn't going to apply to everybody necessarily batches are kind of nice because you can build in those efficiencies that you know if you're buzzing boards through a planer you know whether you're planing three boards or eight boards you know there's really not a huge time difference in there Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's kind of what i wanted to talk about that was that was all in there we're on topic we have a group of cub scouts coming through right boy scouts cub scouts yep Mm -hmm. that'll be fun that will be kind of fun. I it's uh, it'll be kind of interesting because this weekend I'll be teaching a class for the Des Moines woodworkers on kind of some router basics or whatever. So have that class on Saturday, Monday night. Have the Cub Scouts come in and two totally different demographics, and I think it'll be kind of a blast. So I'm looking forward to it. We even have a little yeah, project that we're going to do for them or with them or cool. whatever. So. Yeah. Lots of fun. Get our hooks into the next generation of woodworkers. That's right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And their parents. Yep. <laughs> well, it's like, I mean, the parents have to fund the projects if they do it. Young, yes. right? Yep. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, I kind of, because I, I started heavily woodworking when I was in high school, and I didn't realize, my poor parents, I made the, I didn't make them, I asked them, they agreed to it. So there were cohorts in it. Uh, but one of my projects I built in high school was a roll-top desk out of mahogany. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, wasn't real mahogany. It was mahogany from Menards, which is worse. <laughs> because that stuff is expensive. And it's not right. even real mahogany. It's like that like Luan or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is. It's not. I mean, it's probably the mahogany family. But it's like, oh, yuck. But knowing how much my parents spent on that, it's like, ugh. Now I can't stand to like get rid of that desk, even though it's like, <laughs> oh, I could do so much better. <laughs> that, I mean, that's a podcast in its own, is like early projects. Do you, yeah. What do you do with those? Ooh, yeah. And that's, how do you think about them? You know? Yeah, that'd be a good one. Mm-hmm. See, I've tried to get rid of those, and then my parents always like take them. It's like, oh, you can't get rid of that. And so it's in their house. You made that. Like, kind of hidden away. And it's like, ugh. So my parents are the ones trying get to get rid it. of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, hey, you want this desk or we're going to sell it at the garage sale? I'm like, what? 
Really? Yeah. It's like you're supposed to be my parents, so you don't want to ever get rid of anything. This is worse something. Make. I know. Ugh. All right, so recently I picked up a couple of woodworking books that I wanted to talk about because they're kind of they're different but related, which is the best part of woodworking. Uh, the first one is one that I saw at a bookstore. It's called Simple Japanese Furniture. I f- was flipping through it at the bookstore, and then uh, my wife ended up ordering it for me, which was pretty cool. And what I like about it is uh, it's kind of a riff on a book that came out in Japan in 1953 about relatively simple woodworking projects. Uh so the, this book isn't really a reprint on it. It just kind of pulls some of the you know best of projects from that book, and then talks about you know where this original book came from and shows some of the original pages, which is really cool. I'll put a link to it on the show notes page for this week's episode. Uh, but they use a lot of really simple kind of home center materials, and because it was in Japan. Originally, there's a totally different aesthetic that's going on and different types of needs for the different projects. And I just thought it was really cool to... There were a few in here that I really liked. There's a coffee table and a little magazine or book rack that I thought had some had some potential. I think Dylan is actually going to use one of the stool projects in this book uh, as a basis for an upcoming Woodsmith project. So... Mm. Anyway, I I just like I said, it was just a interesting take on a get started in woodworking kind of book, and made me think of some of the other ones that are out there. You know, like Vic Tesselin, we've had him on the show. He's done some books, or uh, Asa Christiana, who's mm-hmm. uh, formerly at Fine Woodworking and now does some freelance stuff, and I think even has a pop wood article coming up. Yep, uh, he's got some books two books in the like build stuff out of wood series that helps people get started and and in both of those sets of books vix and aces and there are others those are just the ones that i'm familiar with is the projects are simple but they're still good looking because there's a lot of get started in woodworking books that are just they're tougher to stomach on the design so the other book kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum is one that I've kind of wanted to get for a while it's about Hans Wegner called Just Mm. One Good Chair which was kind of a excerpt from a quote that he had that his goal in life was to just be able to create one good chair which if you're familiar with Hans Wegner's work He's had he made a lot of good chairs. <laughs> yeah, he's probably had almost a hundred just one good chairs. So, um, so it's a little story of his development as a. It's not really a biography. I don't know. It's maybe like a biography or a timeline of his development as a designer, and he's he's got a bunch of other stuff too that he designed, not just chairs. Those are probably his most famous ones. But uh, so it's really cool to learn about his process because he isn't just a designer he was regarded as one of the uh, best crafts persons at the time too that he had 
the skills to be able to make everything that he that he designed and make it at a high level. So that was that's kind of cool for me. So it's fun to see. I have something, I have an affinity for the mid-century design or Danish modern kind of look to it. Some of it can be a little cartoony, but there are some pieces that just have a real nice, clean styling that, that appeals to me. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that has helped, like, it's helped, but it's also hurt the mid-century aesthetic is the Ikea thing. Because Ikea is very mid-century Danish modern and right. like you have to admit the appeal of the design is just very very good um, mm-hmm. it has a very broad appeal but I think it's also hurt the mid-century or Danish modern um, style because a lot of people look at it and be like oh it looks like an Ikea piece it's like well no mm-hmm. an Ikea right. piece looks like this <laughs> you know yes. it's like it's yeah. it's so I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I have, I also enjoy that. I don't care for mid century. I, I would say I enjoy, you know, Danish modern a little bit more because it's very simplistic, very basic, very much kind of shaker esque. Right. Um, so I enjoy that um, side of it. And I think that's what, that's one of the things that I like about this book is that it kind of goes into the detail that a lot of, the Danish designer craftsmen of the forties and fifties were inspired by and modeled a lot of their furniture off of shaker pieces or, you know, Windsor chairs or staked Mm -hmm. chairs or whatever, you know, that you want to call that they have these, they have a root that you can still see in the well-designed pieces because they took their time with it that, You can definitely see the family resemblance without it getting kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, those are two book recommendations that I have. The just one good chair is a little pricier of a book, but it's a much larger format, and it's just. And I think part of the reason that I like them is I don't know that I would build every project in there, but there's a lot of like fun ideas to think about incorporating in other projects. You know, or, you know, you can be able to see different approaches to common furniture styles where you could, you know, adapt that to another project, Mm -hmm. whether it's going to look exactly like that or not. So, yeah, I think that's kind of the fun thing is looking at these furniture books or woodworking magazines is just finding, you know, details that you could use other places. There's not very many projects that you're going to like. You know, like I want to build that exact thing, but just finding, you know, the details and something that that gives you ideas for other things or or to add on to some yeah. of your own ideas and, and stuff like that. So, all right, any last words? In the shop today, I was thinking about. Um, I saw a can of something, and it made me think, like, what? Okay, generally speaking, what do you, would you use to thicken a liquid? A thickener, right? So why do we call it paint thinner or lacquer thinner? It should be thinner, thinner, or thick. It's like thickener, or I don't know. That was just stuck in my head. I can see that. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. we don't Mm -hmm. call it paint thicker. Call it thickener. Hmm. 
So, sure. but it's paint thinner, thinner. Thinner. I don't know. Maybe Let's it was paint thinner, and we've just shortened yeah. it. Like you can't. just start saying it fast. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. That was just really stuck in my head when I was working in the shop earlier. Okay. So deep yeah, thought my, for the uh, day. My last, my my pat, my parting thought is, you know, in this holiday season with Santa about. When a kid asks you about Santa, you tell them what you want and don't feel bad for them because remember, there's still adults that believe in the Green Bay Packers. (laughs) (laughs) See, my kids always ask me about Santa and I said, I don't believe in Santa, but that's why I get underwear for Christmas every every year. So (laughs) watch your P's and Q's. True. So. But as I get older, nothing better than a good pair of underwear and a good pair of socks. That's right. Yep. All right. All right. So maybe next episode we will discuss and allow for people to put in their comments. What is on your woodworking wish list for this holiday season? So if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, I want to hear about them. You can send them in an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com, or check out our YouTube channel where you can watch the three of us talk and laugh and hold up things to fuzzy web cameras. So uh, you can check that out for the Woodsmith uh, YouTube channel and leave any comments there as well. Don't forget to subscribe to see all of our other video content, including Chris Fitch's CNC Base Camp program if you're interested in the idea of cncs chris kind of goes through the basics of uh what it's like to use a cnc for different kinds of materials projects and ideas so check that out otherwise we'll see you again next week on the shop notes podcast special thanks to epilogue laser you can check out their products at epiloguelaser.com for customizing and creating all kinds of fun woodworking projects. See you next week, everybody. Bye.